Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Mama Village. I am your host Ellen and today we have the privilege of hearing Jolene's remarkable story of natural and unmedicated birth guided by the midwifery group practice known as MGP at her local hospital. Jolene's narrative is a testament to the innate ability and unwavering trust in women's ability to birth. She shares her profound belief that birth is a natural phenomenon deeply ingrained in our biology. Through her experience, Jolene invites us to challenge societal perceptions surrounding childbirth and embrace the inherent wisdom of our bodies. She beautifully illustrates how the supportive care provided by midwives empowers women to tap into their innate birthing instincts and embrace the journey. So join me as Jolene shares her empowering birth story, reminding us all the innate strength within every woman and the miraculous beauty of bringing new life into the world. If you would like to share your positive pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood story, please send an email to the.mamavillage at outlook.com. That's the.mamavillage at outlook.com. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform. Please also let me know what you want to hear on the podcast. This podcast is designed to inform and educate you on all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood and get you excited for birth and that transition from maiden to mother. So it is so important that you share with me what you want to hear from the podcast that I can help you and we can contribute to the positive birth movement together. And with that said, let's get into Jolene's story. Welcome to the Mama Village, Jolene. Thank you. Can you please tell the listeners a bit about yourself, like your age, who is in your family and where you're from? Um, so I'm Jolene. I'm 20. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm 31. Um, <laughs> And in my household, I've got myself, my partner, Fred, and my mum lives with us as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's a good setup, which was really good, obviously, when we've had bubs. So mum's out there babysitting at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. We just moved to the Sunshine Coast from Canberra not that long ago, and my mum used to live down the road. So she would pop over all the time, and that help was just, like, invaluable. And since moving up here, it's like, oh, my God, what have we done? (laughs) I reckon, yeah, I, I, I would have struggled. I would have struggled in those first few months without mum. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into your pregnancy. So did you do anything to prepare to conceive? No, um, my there was actually a big surprise for us. <laughs> we didn't try at all. It was just a bit of a, a accident and decided to roll with it and here we are. Wow. <laughs> so a uh, pleasant surprise then? A very pleasant surprise, yeah. 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 I have oh, always nice. I had always wanted to have a baby, you know what I mean? But it just wasn't the time that we were trying, but it happened anyway, so Yeah, yeah, okay. And how did your partner receive the news then? He was very shocked. We were both very shocked. <laughs> but he, uh, he he did he come around to the idea, so he's he's a bit older than me, so it was a bit of a surprise to him. Um, but he's he loves her now. Oh, beautiful. So did you do anything special then to tell him or was it because it was just such a shock? It was just like, ah, I'm pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I actually um, asked a friend who had been pregnant long before. I was like, what did it feel like when you were pregnant? I I wanted to sort of know what the symptoms were. And I was like, oh, dear. (laughs) So I took a test and I went, look what I've got. (laughs) Anyway. So was your period late or? Yeah, yeah, I had some like cramping but then no period turned up and then um and then my boobs got really sore. 
And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty good indicator. Yeah. So then, obviously, this has come as such a surprise. How were you feeling physically and emotionally throughout your pregnancy? I, I did really well, actually. I got my head around it pretty quick and that was it. We jumped in, you know, feet first and did as much prep as we could and I was pretty good emotionally through the whole thing. I had, you know, I had so much support with mum living here as well and it's her first grandchild so she was just like over the moon. Yeah, yeah. And so what was your perception of birth then if, you, if this was, you know, such a surprise? Um, my perception of birth, I've had animals all my life. So for me, birth was a really natural thing. So I wasn't, I wasn't overly scared about it, you know, Mm. um, it was the after that I was a bit concerned about because it's such a life changing commitment in it, having a baby. So that was my bigger concern. We, we did a bit of, um, hypnobirthing and stuff like that to get us prepared, but my actual concerns for birth were pretty minimal. Yeah, that's great. So um, it sounds like you had a pretty solid foundation then. So then what drew you into the hypnobirthing aspect? I had some friends that did it and that was it kind of that's sort of me anyway, is that pretty I wanted to be pretty relaxed and do everything, be left alone. I didn't want anyone to touch me. I just wanted, you know, uh to just do it and be I was pretty confident in my body, you know what I mean? And but we needed help with my partner. He was a bit concerned. So it was really good. We found hypnobirthing was excellent for him because it gave him a lot of tools to help me. And I think people don't realise that aspect of it as well is it's not only for mum but it's for, you know, part support partners as well. And yeah, Absolutely. It's a, it's a really wonderful course. I did hypnobirthing as well in my second pregnancy and I just found it invaluable. And I found it most beneficial too to do the course towards the end of pregnancy so it's all yep. you know really fresh in your mind and all those sorts of things I don't know if that was your experience but yeah yeah, yeah. we did it about halfway through and then that you know you get all the tapes and stuff to listen to and then probably from you know getting towards three quarters of the way through I started listening to the tapes every single day just kind of getting myself prepared yeah and there yeah. Were, and there was so and it was so hard to sleep towards the end too isn't it so they, they, I would put those tapes on. I don't think I ever got to the end of one of them because I would put them in and then I would just go to sleep. <laughs> I was the same. I, um, I even said it to the hypnobirthing teacher towards the end of the course because I think I, the one that I did ran over six weeks and I was like, I, I don't think I've actually got to the very end because I fall asleep. No. Like, yeah. I, I did the same. Yeah. <laughs> And she she just said, "Great, they're working." Then, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to put you in that super relaxed state. So, yeah. So, what else did you do then to prepare physically and mentally for birth? Um, physically, I joined um, like a pregnancy um, and like mum's Pilates and yoga, um, and I think I did that from about sixteen weeks on, just because my I, I have a very physical job. I work in landscaping, um, and I wanted to be able to continue work as long as possible. But my body was already starting to hurt. So I went and did um, Pilates a couple times a week and yoga once a week. Um, and I also continued with um, massage the whole way through. I found that helped a lot. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the Pilates side of things. So what did you work on in preparation for birth to do with, the, I guess, Pilates and yoga really? Was it pelvic floor work, strength, stretching, what sort of stuff? A bit of you- everything Yeah, because it was like a pregnancy class they did a lot of you know pelvic floor strengthening but also teaching you to relax and you know the yoga was really good stretching um, but also strengthening just because I 
when I wasn't at work, all I wanted to do was sit around and <laughs> relax. So I did lose a bit of strength. So that was good. Yeah. Look, I think it's, um, especially for your first baby as well, sometimes the labors can go for a bit longer. And so having a bit of physical strength behind you really doesn't hurt with your birth yeah. preparation. And with that pelvic floor work, I think that's really important too, because not only like, I think we just think about pelvic floor as in we just need to strengthen it before birth and that, how that's super important. But I don't think a lot of people realize how important it is also to learn to completely relax the pelvic yeah, floor, definitely. because if you don't relax it completely and really just let it, then your baby can't pass through the birth canal. Yeah. So it's really important to learn both techniques. So I can see how that would be super beneficial to your birth preparation. Definitely. And it went, went hand in hand really well with the hypnobirthing once we did that. Mm, absolutely. And so did you read any books then or listen to podcasts or anything like that to prepare? Yeah, I was at work and I work by myself. So I was podcasts all day, every day, like <laughs> 12 hours a day. <laughs> um, and I listened to, I wrote them, I wrote them down here somewhere. Um, the Great Birth Rebellion, I loved. Also the Fitness Mama, which was a really good one about like helping your body and stuff like that. And it was more about the mother's side of things rather than the actual birth. And the Hypnobirthing podcast, which was actually in, in England, I think, but was a really good one. I quite liked that. And then books, I read the Ina May Gaskin's books. I really liked hers. And also the Hypnobirthing, I think it's called Practical Guides to Hypnobirthing or something like that. And I loved that. I liked those books. The other thing I did was join the Gold Coast Home Birth community on Facebook, even though we weren't going to have a home birth. Well, I wanted to have a home birth, but it just wasn't going to happen for us, unfortunately. So, I, But I joined that community because they were the people that I wanted to hear from, you know what I mean? Mm. And the other thing we did to prepare was I got a doula so, and she was a great help. Oh, let's unravel that a little bit. So you mentioned in there that you joined the home birth community. So were you aware of home births at that time in your pregnancy or yeah, how did, that, how did your awareness of home birth come about? I was already aware of home birth, but then once I found out I was pregnant, I asked a couple of friends that had had a home birth and that was really the way I wanted to go. But because it was such a shock to us that we got pregnant, I just financially wasn't prepared to be able to put that much money up front, you know, to get a private midwife. And I wasn't confident enough to do a free birth. Mm. Um, so, but joining that community of people that had so much faith in, in birth, you know, and their bodies was a really good one to be involved in and listen to everybody's stories and everybody posted their both birth stories, you know, and you saw so much positivity that it was a really good one to be involved in. Yeah. And just to talk a little bit about that as well. So home birth is when you have the presence of a medical practitioner and free birth that you referenced before is without the presence of a trained medical professional. So I think a lot of people still consider having a doula present or a birth keeper present can still be a free birth if there's no medical professional present. But it's it's just another, you know, avenue to give birth, I suppose. Not a lot of people hear yeah. about, you know, that home birth and free birth is even possible. It's, you know, can I do that? Like, of course you can. So, yeah, yeah. of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love like some of the resources you mentioned as well. I, I love the Great Birth Rebellion podcast because they really unravel and examine the research behind all things birth and postpartum. And it's just a really, really great resource. So I'm glad you mentioned that one. Yeah. And so what was your model of care then? So I ended up going through MGP. So I had my own midwife from the start. 
um, and got to know her. Basically, all my appointments were with her right from, I think, about 16 weeks or so, which I, I liked. At least I then got to know the same person the whole way through and she was beautiful and they had quite um, – obviously they work in the hospital system, so they're pretty dictated by that. But she was kind of very open to me doing things the way that I wanted to and, you know, they don't push for any sort of medical invention, intervention unless it's necessary. But she was really happy when I said that, you know, I was doing hypnobirthing and I just wanted to be left to do my thing and I didn't want any medication and she was like, great, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so how did your decision, what was your decision-making process like in terms of getting a doula as well? Because you obviously had that continuity of care through with your midwife yep. through MGP. But yeah, what motivated your decision to get a doula? Honestly, listening to Great Birth Rebellion, they kind of were like, if you can do one thing for your birth, get a doula. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. <laughs> and also because with MGP, even though they were really behind us doing things how we wanted to do, they still, you know, it was still, we were going to be in hospital. Um, and I wanted someone there that I knew that once I couldn't, you know, tell them what I wanted anymore. I I wanted someone to be able to back my partner and back what I wanted. Mm. So that was what pushed us sort of. And and a good friend was a doula, so. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, on that, the thing about doulas too is that they're not regulated, they're not, um, they don't have to follow the procedures and protocols of the hospital, they're not under any, they're just not bound to hospital policies and procedures. So it's, I see your point in that it's really helpful to have someone removed from that system in your birth space because they're there solely for you, solely for the mother. They serve you throughout birth so you can trust in their advice and their assistance and things. Yeah. And so did you have appointments with your doula as well in the lead up to the birth or did she attend the appointments with you, with the midwife at hospital? How did that work? No, I did the the midwife appointments myself because I I didn't feel that that was necessary for anyone to come along. You know, I was pretty comfortable going there and telling them what I wanted. Um, and that was a good thing too, going back to hypnobirthing, that I really liked with hypnobirthing was them telling you how, you know, you, what you can and can't say yes and no to and how much power you actually have because they, in the hospital system, of course, they can kind of make you feel like you don't have a choice. But it was good with the hypnobirthing, realizing that actually you have a choice of everything they can't push anything onto you so no I didn't feel the need to take my doula along to them so she just did a couple of appointments with me before the birth so we could go through my birth plan and sort of my expectations and all that sort of thing and then that was really it she was available on the phone for me anytime I needed you know advice or to (laughs) have any questions but that was it I think we just had two two meetups before yeah yeah and you you mentioned that she's a friend of yours too so you obviously knew her quite well already yeah Well, let's jump into your birth story. So do you want to start with how you were feeling towards the end of your pregnancy? Yeah, I was very tired. (laughs) I was very, I was very ready to be done with pregnancy and move on to the next stage. Yeah. Um, My body was just so sore and because I work in like a real physical job and I, they didn't really have a replacement for me. So I kind of went a little bit longer than I wanted to. So I was pretty tired by the end and I was, but I was feeling pretty good. You know, I was ready. I was so prepared mentally for it, but then I got really bad carpal tunnel. So we ended up going to, uh, acupuncture at about 40 plus one, I think. 
And I walked in, he was like, whoa, you are totally not ready to go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> That's not what but, you want to hear when you're like at the end no. and you're like, I need this yeah. baby out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no. But that helped so much with the, the carpal tunnel and the pain that I was having. And then we sort of just all went home and relaxed and I just was, you know, chilling out on the couch most days and trying to keep active as much as possible but then I, I didn't I didn't feel any change really I just woke up one morning about four o'clock and that was it my waters broke in bed I was like all right here we go <laughs> and you know they tell you don't don't wake your partner up don't make a big deal of it just just keep it quiet and relax and go back to sleep so I kind of went into the toilet and tidied up and went back to bed and my partner woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and he said, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, pretty good. Uh, water's broke. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> so how many weeks were you? Did you say? I I was 40 plus, I want to say 40 plus five. I think I had her. I think, yeah. Oh man, it's a blur. 40 plus three or 40 plus five. I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was like fr- Friday morning, water's broke. And then we sort of just chilled out. I think my partner went to work and I just hung out at home all day and eventually got to about four o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, I should probably ring the midwife and let her know what's going on. I didn't want to ring up until that point because, you know, you hear so many stories about them trying to get you to come in and then wanting you to stay, which obviously I wasn't going to do that anyway. But I thought we'll just give it a few hours and then I'll see how we go. And my midwife started at four o'clock that day, so I rang her. And she said, yeah, cool, no worries, just sort of chill out at home, see how it goes, wait for things to ramp up and give her a call. I think she told me to call her like 8 o'clock at night or something and, you know, if things hadn't started, we'll have to discuss what we're going to do. But by about 6 o'clock that afternoon, you know, I could start to feel the beginnings of nigglings and then from there it just sort of slowly amped up. Um, I totally forgot to even ring my doula she um she sent me a message and was like I've got, I'm, I'm just putting all my things in a bag and I was like oh good thing about that because I'm in labor <laughs> because like, I didn't want to like you know I was like it's a false start well it's not really happening even though my waters had broken I was like no yeah and so just to clarify as well when your waters had broken your contractions didn't start straight away no, no. okay no no so they it took probably about you know, 12 or so hours for them to sort mm. of start which, you know, I wasn't too, wasn't too concerned about. But when I did talk to my doula, she said, oh, that's good. The Great Birth Rebellion actually put out a podcast episode like yesterday about um, premature rupture of membrane. And I was like, excellent. I'm going to listen to that right now awesome. because, you know, I was starting to get, I was like, it's been about 12 hours and nothing's happening. And I was starting to get a little bit nervous that like if it didn't ramp up, you know, within the next sort of little while, they'd want me to go in. So I listened to that and they were like, no. Nah you're good and I was like sweet so I just laid back down <laughs> and re- and relaxed yeah 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 and then I think yeah I think it was about six o'clock probably when I could start to feel a little bit of something happening and you know thought well tonight's the night but have you know have big dinner get ready so I've got plenty of energy and then I think we had chicken burgers like homemade chicken burgers and I think about nine o'clock that all just came back up again <laughs> <laughs> so that was no good no <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't a good decision on my part but anyway um yeah I think we put the tens machine on you know sort of towards the start and I was watching you know I think I was watching Rick and Morty or something that's quite funny and 
watch that as long as I could and then when I couldn't watch it anymore I was like put it just mute it I can't deal with the noise anymore <laughs> I can but just I say that I could not think of anything worse than listening to Rick and Morty <laughs> yeah I was like this is obnoxious <laughs> yeah up to that point it was great distraction and then I got to the point where I was like I cannot deal with this yeah, anymore yeah yeah and um, yeah, it was it was good. You know, we just hung out in the bedroom with the birth ball and I think a chair, and you know, I just kind of wandered back and forth to the bathroom. And I didn't even listen to my hypnobirthing tapes at that point. I didn't want them. I just wanted complete silence, and it was really quite peaceful. My partner just sat with me the whole time, sort of in my face with his hands on my face, reminding me to breathe. And it was it was really quite a intense but pleasant uh experience mm. <laughs> um and then we got probably to about I think we got to about two three o'clock and things had ramped up like really quite seriously and I was like I can't I can't do it anymore I'm done <laughs> and um my partner rang the midwife and she said oh just give us a little while you know see see how far apart they are and what they're doing did they know that your waters had broken like had you called them previously at this point was this, yeah, 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 yes. I, yeah, I rang her about four to tell her that my waters had broken and that was when she said just stay home until things, you know, ramp up or they don't and then let us know either way. So I think he had notified her earlier in the night that, you know, things were ramping up and she said, yeah, just give us a call in a few hours and see how we're tracking. And then I think, yeah, I think it was about three that I was like, I cannot – I cannot do it anymore. And she, Fred rang her and said, oh, just kind of put her in the shower and see if you can get it, you know, through another hour or so and then we'll see. I'll meet you in at the hospital. And I had no idea what they were doing. I was just all in the background. You know, they just left me to it pretty much and mum sort of just came in and out. Do you want to drink a water? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I spent maybe an hour in the shower, I think, just sort of I had the strangest urge to like stand on one leg and put the other leg out behind me. And I think she just, just must have needed to move or something or I needed more space somewhere. And I just remember standing there in the most ridiculous position. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's not and, uncommon. Um, I just was like, what am I doing? Like a big donkey kick out the back. <laughs> but it was, it was the most comfortable position for me to stand in, you know? Yeah. And now I think we went into the hospital about four o'clock and they let me straight through and I said, fill the bath up. I want to get in straight away. And we did about an hour and a half in the bath, I think, and she was here. Wow. So wait, I, mi I missed the part. When did you get to the hospital? Um, I think about four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. No, no, no. We got... No, I got in the bath at like five. So yeah. about an hour or so I was in the bath. Yeah. Okay. So you were... Because I think the last that you said you were at home and then you got into the shower and then you got into that position. So when did you yep. make the call to go to the hospital? When Fred had rang the midwife, she said, give us an hour. Yeah, okay. And I think that was at about four. So I think they drug it out as long as they could without me going, I, just, I, need, I need this baby out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't, we weren't concerned and, when the midwife said, oh, yeah, just stay at home as long as you can, mum was like, oh, are we, are we prepared for home birth? And Trevor's like, yep, we're prepared, okay. 
So we, everyone was pretty calm, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think I think we got to the hospital probably about five, or I got in the bath about five, I think. Mm. And so, did your doula meet you at the hospital, or did she come to your house first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, she met us at the hospital. Yeah. Okay. And when you arrived at the hospital, did they try and offer you any checks or anything like that, or they just let you go straight into the bath? Yeah. No, I had I had said I didn't want any checks or anything like that. I think they might have put the Doppler on my stomach and like listened to her heart rate. And that was about it, I think. Wow. And I just, well, I, wanted, I just wanted to get in that pool. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And so from the point that you got to the hospital, how long did you say it was until your baby was out? I think she was like an hour and a bit was wow. all we were there. Far out. And so how were you feeling? I, I was I was tired. Honestly, though, it's like such a blur, isn't it? You don't even really realise what's going on around you. Mm. And I, where we got lost getting into the hospital because I was wearing like an eye mask because I was like, I don't want anything to disturb me. And we came in at a different level to where I'd come in to like have a look where we were meant to go. And we just turned up and I was like, the cafeteria was oh, <laughs> I've never no. walked past here before. <laughs> and a man was, a doctor was walking past and he was like, obviously looking for the labor ward and we were like yes <laughs> so he walked us up there <laughs> so yeah we, we got there in the end and there's you know they we got to the desk and they you know asked my partner name and birth a date you know date of birth and they just sort of straight in and that was it yeah and so did you stay in the pool after she was born for a little while no, I was probably only in there for like maybe ten minutes or so. You know, gave her gave her a bit of a hug. You know, my um my cord was really short, so she kind of came out, and then I wasn't able to move too much because she was kind of still still very much attached on a short cord. So they, I got me to stand up, and you know, got out and got on a bed and laid there and gave her a big hug. And I didn't want them to wipe anything. I just wanted to be left alone. So. We um yeah we just laid there for you know ten fifteen minutes and we got her on and she had a bit of a feed and I think it was about thirty forty minutes maybe and I felt the need to push again and we birthed my placenta and that was that was process sort of done. Wow! And so did you receive the injection or did you have a physiological? Yeah, okay. A physiological, yeah, yeah. They gave me the option. They gave me the option when I got out. They said, "Oh, do you want it?" I said, "No, nah, let's give it." You know. I'm pretty sure we'll be right. So have we got this far? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, did you do anything special with your placenta? No, we, we, you know, we took some beautiful photos of it and stuff like that. But I, I had a few friends asking, are you going to, you know, are you going to consume it and do all that sort of thing? I have a red meat allergy. So oh. I, was like, I don't think that's a very good idea. <laughs> that is definitely not a good idea for me. No. Um, and then, you know, no. Um, and then I thought if I bring it home and plant a tree on it, my dogs will dig it up 110%. So you do not want yeah. that. <laughs> I didn't, I did not. <laughs> so, so no, we just got some beautiful photos and then left it with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so then if your labor started, you said roughly contraction started around six o'clock in the evening and then she was born, did you say around I think you got to the hospital, you said, at 4, so 5.30-ish in the morning? Uh, she was born at 6.11. I think we left for the hospital at 4 o'clock. Yeah, okay. If my mind is correct, but it could. Yeah. It's, it was really quite a blur. But, yeah, she was born at 6.11, but from when they kind of decided my contractions properly, those first little ones were just so inconsistent, just niggly like a Braxton Hicks kind of pain. 
And then when I when they really started, it was about ten o'clock at night. Because mm. that's a pretty quick labour for first time mum. Yeah, yeah. The midwife was like, "If you have a second one, you should probably come in pretty quick." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been all the preparation work you did, though, as well. I think if you're relaxed yeah. and you're informed and all those sorts of things, it can help labour progress more quickly. So, yeah. And we'd been doing some stretches leading up, you know, to to the birth. She was sitting, what is it, like left to the left instead mm-hmm. of to the right. And the midwife was like, oh, if she could turn, that would be optimal. But, you know, she's fine where she is. So I did some of the, um, is it spinning babies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing some of their exercises every day towards the end. And I don't know whether that helped, you know, because I was kind of hopefully loosened all the muscles up that needed yeah. to be. And yeah, when I was in labor, she did a bit of a, a, a turn then. Yeah. Okay. And um, did you have any stitches at all? Or like any tearing? I had just a tiny bit of tearing, um, what do they call them? Like an out labial tear. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'd, yeah. Um, so I just got a couple of stitches on both sides and that was, that was the extent of that. Yeah. Great. So did you do any preparation for postpartum? I actually, considering that that was the bit that I was more concerned about, I really did very limited preparing for that, mostly because I knew that I had mum, you know, at home. So I wasn't worried about meals and that sort of thing. And I knew I had help 24-7. So I didn't actually prepare for that as much as I probably should have. But I did, I did get some friends to recommend lactation consultants because that was one thing that I was really wanted to do was to be able to breastfeed um and I thought I don't want to be looking around for a lactation consultant at like you know a couple days postpartum so I got in contact with one and said look I'm I'm having a baby you know in the next couple of weeks and there's a potential that I'm going to want some advice so I got in contact with her beforehand that was probably the only prep I did look uh, (laughs) do you know what though so many women struggle with breastfeeding so even though you didn't do much prep, you actually had your mum there to do, all the, like you said, meals, yeah. support, all that sort of stuff. That's huge. And then the lactation appointment yeah. as well is just invaluable. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. Even if this is your second baby, third baby, whatever it might be, each baby is different and the way you birth might be different. And so it doesn't, just because you had a good breastfeeding journey the first time doesn't necessarily mean It'll be easy the second time around. There's things that I advocate so much for a lactate, just even just one appointment with a lactation consultant after you give birth. If you want to breastfeed, just to make sure that you're on the right track, you're not in pain. It's common to experience pain, I think, breastfeeding, but it's not normal for it to be continuing and you to be suffering and all those sorts of things. So lactation support is really important. I'm a huge advocate for that. Yeah, absolutely. That was the, probably the best thing we did, I think, because, you know, the the midwife, she was fantastic, but she did say, oh, you know, it, no, it's normal to have pain and it'll go away, you know, in a week or two. And I was like, well, right, I don't know if I can do another week or two of it. And my, my nipples weren't that bad, you know, compared to some, they weren't, I had some blisters, I didn't have any cracking or bleeding or anything, but I was just like, this is really an unenjoyable experience. So we went to see the lactation consultant at like day four and it was just a game changer. You know, it was just such little things that I needed to change that on my own, I never would have worked out. Mm. Um, so that, that helped them. We're, we're nearly six months in, you know, and still going strong. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, it's, it only takes 
I think even three days for you to really start to feel the pain if you haven't got the latch on properly it's yeah and then the healing process takes a long time like it, it I'll reiterate it's common to experience pain but it's not normal if you're yeah. experiencing pain you need to get help and the earlier you can get help the better off you'll be and the, more, the higher chance you'll have of having a successful and enjoyable breastfeeding journey so yeah she was really good help too the um the lactation consultant we went to has like a private like a facebook group too so once you did once i did my appointment you know i joined that group and then any little questions that i had that weren't enough to go to an appointment but i just wanted some reassurance they were there were two of them on there that were always happy to help you know answer any little questions and stuff like that and just hearing from the other mums that were part of the group too that had had the same sort of experiences was really helpful yeah, what a great service to extend yeah. beyond just the initial appointment. That's awesome. Yeah. And so how did you, I mean, we talked a lot about your prep for postpartum, but how did you find your overall postpartum experience? It was, it, it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's, especially, you know, that was my first baby and it's such a life-changing experience. And you're sort of on a high from birth, but then so tired. And I remember that, like, that first time coming home, trying to put her in the car seat, you know what I mean? And I'm walking – we walked out to the hospital and I'm, like, got forgot shoes, so I'm just in socks and, like, the worst clothes that ever were and walked into the car park and the poor man was, like – I think he felt sorry for us. He gave us a free parking ticket and was, like, here, just, just go home because <laughs> we lost the parking ticket in all of them, you know. Um, and, you know, so that was – it was just so much to learn from those tiny little things that you don't even really consider to the lack of sleep and learning a new skill like breastfeeding. You know, sure, it's a natural thing, but it's it's something that really has to be learned. And then doing that on with like extreme sleep deprivation, it was tough. And we were lucky. The midwife with the MGP, they come out to your house for the first week every day. So I didn't have to go anywhere, but we had that support, you know, to ask whether things were normal. And, you know, I felt like maybe my stitches were not quite right, even though I had a couple. Um, so she would have a look at them and, you know, so we had a lot of support that way. But it did. It took it took some time to get used to. <laughs> and that hormone that hormone change too, you know, after birth is just massive that I'm I'm a pretty relaxed person most of the time. You know, I'm not I'm not generally an emotional person. But that first couple of weeks was just rough. I would just sit there and cry for no reason, you know what I mean? So I, str I struggled with that, but I had so much support. And, you know, if, if I needed to give bub to someone, mum was there, you know, all day and all night because my partner had to go to work pretty much from, I think, day five. So having that help was really important for me. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine with people that don't have that support, I don't know how – how they um, function and how they um, recover. It must just be so hard. And what I might even do is I might try and find some resources or when this episode is aired, I might link some resources in the show notes with support services that people can mm. go to and use because, yeah, I think if you don't have that family support around you or really friends that you can just rely on, not friends that you have to entertain, worry about a yeah. clean house, all that sort of stuff. If you can't breastfeed in front of them, they shouldn't be in your house, sorry. Absolutely. Um, because postpartum is such a vulnerable 
time where you really need to lean on the closest people to you for support. And I guess if you don't have that support around you, it might be really worthwhile looking into a postpartum doula or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, just to help. So looking back then on your birth experience and your postpartum, can you tell us what were some of the most cherished moments or aspects of your birth experience? Oh, honestly, I was, it was exactly what I wanted. You know what I mean? Like considering when we decided we couldn't afford to do home birth and I was really, I was kind of concerned to be doing it in a hospital, but it just all turned out exactly how we wanted. And um, seeing my partner um, kind of come into his own to be able to help, you know, for helping me when I was in labour, he was just he was just such a trooper, you know. Like it was it was it's hard for them too because they don't know what's going on either, and that stuck with me. We've got photos, you know, of in the bath with him just holding my head, and I was just I don't remember that at all. But the doula took some beautiful photos for me that that has just kind of stuck with me. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, that it was just the most amazing thing being able to catch your own baby, and you know, we've got videos of that, and I I just loved that part. <laughs> Oh, that is so special if you got that on video. It's like one of my biggest regrets is not having more photos and videos. I mean, it's hard like to get them, but I guess that's the benefit of having a doula too, right? Is they can just take yeah. some little photos or videos for you to look back on yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I, I really am glad that we have that because this is, I don't remember, you know, so much of it. It was just, I was kind of there, but just in a bit of a daze. So it's nice to have those photos and those memories. Yeah. And look, something that I did as well, which I highly recommend doing, if this, if your birth experience is something that you really want to cherish and remember, and if you can't get a professional photographer, a videographer, or even just someone there to take photos and videos for you, is as soon as you can after the birth, just dot down a few dot points even of the birth and like the timeline of events so that you can look back on it later and you can fill in the gaps and all those sorts of things. I did that with my second and I, I look back at it a lot. I, I really value that. So that's that's just another idea. Absolutely, because I obviously can't remember my timeline very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So if you could offer one piece of general advice to do with pregnancy, birth or postpartum, what would that be? Honestly, I think my doula was a really great help. But just having faith in your body. For me, that was the biggest thing. I just kept saying, you know, everyone was going, you know, why? <laughs> All my friends had um, inductions and stuff like that, you know what I mean, and had highly intervened birth. And I could just kept thinking there's no way we got to like 8 billion people if we weren't built to do this. So I just, I think having faith in your body and knowing that this is what we were made to do. And then also being thankful for the fact that we do have a great medical system if things go wrong and you need help. Absolutely. I think. We just need to reshape our perception of birth into having this deep trust that we know what to do and our bodies know what to do and our babies know what to do, right? Because the babies have a process in the birth as well. The purpose of hospitals and medical providers are to help in the event that something goes wrong and the likelihood of that happening is really small if birth is just left to just happen and leave it to be the likelihood of something going wrong is very, very small. And often these medical interventions are actually causing a lot of negative consequences and negative birth outcomes. But 
Yeah, they're, they're there for when an emergency is truly needed. Yeah, not for a physiological normal birth. Yeah. And that was what I liked so much about that great birth rebellion. It was because they gave you, you know, statistics of how often things happen and how likely things are to go wrong. And it really is not often. (laughs) No, no. And even um, what I love about their statistics too is they often say something like, you know, you'll be told by a medical provider if you don't have this test or if you don't, say, have antibiotics during labour, if you've tested GBS positive, your risk of infection or adverse outcome doubles when that percentage could have just gone from 0.1% to 0.2%. So when you actually look at the true statistic, it's really not that different. Like it's, it's, it's it's just sounds the way they word it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just disclaimer out there, I'll have to cross check that that is the actual statistic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, That was more of an example. Yeah. But yeah, I will include that at the end. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jolene. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your story. I think it's really important to get these positive stories out there. And um, yeah, thank you so much. That's right. Thank you. I I agree. It was one of the biggest things helping me when I was pregnant was listening to all the positive stories and not letting anybody tell you their negative stories. (laughs) Yes. It's not the time. Not when you're pregnant. It's not. No. No. So thank you for putting out more positive stories. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Mama Village. Check out the show notes for a link to our Instagram page where I upload pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood resources. Next week on the podcast, I will be interviewing Talia and Jacinta from Avenue Life Midwifery and we talk about all things home birth. This is a super informative episode and I'm so excited to be sharing this one with you soon. If you would like to share your story on the podcast, please send an email to the.mamavillage at outlook.com. As always, please let me know what you think of today's show and what you would like to hear for the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform. I will speak to you all in next week's episode.